Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Craig Ferguson's Fancy Rascal Tour continues in November 2023. For the full list of dates, please go to thecraigfergusonshow.com slash tour website. My name is Craig Ferguson. The name of this podcast is Joy. I talk to interesting people about what brings them happiness. Meet Adriana Trigiani. Adriana is my friend. She's a writer, she's a director, and she's a great cook. But you'll have to take my word for the last part, unless you know her. In which case, why are you listening to this? Just call her. I'm sensing a little chemistry between you and Jake there. I like it. Yeah. He looks like a young Al Pacino to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not a bad look. That's a good look. Yeah, That's a, a look, look you hold on to, but I want you to look at his recent birthday party pictures and plan ahead, okay? Yeah, yeah. You really have to plan ahead. What, about getting older? Yes. There has to be a plan. If there's no plan, you're flailing. Well, what's your plan on getting if you're older? Flailing, what is your plan for getting older? Well, I do have one. Well, I heard you say to your daughter, I'll be a burden. I remember well, you saying every, that. Okay, so every night <laughs> from the time she was born yeah. in the crib... The last thing I'd say to her, I'd say, I love you, Lucia. And then I'd say, I will be a burden. Good night. And I said it every night, and it's a family joke now. Will you do that? Will you have no, Lucia look after I you? No, I won't, no. You should. You should. I mean, come on. I, I'm thinking She wants to look after me. Last night, we watched uh, My Man Called Otto. Have you seen that movie? No. With Tom Hanks? I know, not your fave. But... Hey, don't, I don't say that. Well, I heard you say it once, and I'm just he, defending I, your position. I, I, no, that's not that's not true. Okay, I, well, I hope he comes well, on this podcast. He's the greatest actor I've ever seen. Well, now, 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 let me tell you something. What? We're as great as the material. Always. So people don't even want to hear that because they think it looks like it was made up on the spot when it's good. When it's a good actor, sure. And when it's a good material. Yeah. A great actor can triumph over bad material, though. I've seen it many times. Yeah. But not for the sustaining whole narrative. There'll be a scene where you go, ooh, okay. Yeah, I think you may be right. You see that. But over the whole narrative, to hold the logic of it together takes the writer. Hold on a second, though. A great actor, maybe, but a great movie star mm -hmm. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like Sean Connery, even in Zardoz. Oh, you just want him to walk in the room. Yeah, right. He'd stand there so with his hands matter. on his hips, and he, and, he, and he could destroy the world with his, his gaze. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, so yeah. I'm yeah, wearing yeah. a mankini, and it doesn't matter. It's yeah. just there. So listen, I want to, I want to, we, we're going to go on a journey, because the, okay. the name of the podcast is, is Joy. Oh. You bring me joy. Okay, and you, you bring me joy. Your, your, your friendship brings me joy. That makes me But I want to, I want everyone here to get to know you a little bit. Okay. So we're going to start with... Little baby Adri. Uh, but it's not going to be long. I mean, we're, you're not going to be a baby for a, for a long part of the conversation. We're going to start with little baby okay, Adri, okay. right? Yeah. So close your eyes. You're in the crib. Now, where is the crib? Okay. We're in Bangor, Pennsylvania. Near Bangor. Ros near Rosetta, Pennsylvania. Right. Which is, That doesn't help anyone. No, it does. It does because this is the town in the United States that they sent doctors and, and medical 
whole groups, teams of people to study these Italian-Americans that didn't die of heart attacks. If you stepped one step outside of Rosetta, this is where my father was born. My grandfather was born and raised, and he was the mayor of the town. And in the 60s, they came in and studied everybody, the babies, the old people, because if you stepped over the line of the town into what was called Bangor, right. which is where the Welsh were, the Johnny Bulls, because they came and owned the slate quarries and the Italians worked for them. The Welsh, and see, the Welsh drink. They do. Well, yeah. there's a lot of drinking. Yeah. But the Italians, with all the bad health habits that they could discern, making blood pudding, eating sugar, the, the, the stress of being in a quarry, all of that, the dangers, this little community didn't suffer from any anxiety. There wasn't cancer. There wasn't heart attack. They couldn't figure it out. So this team of doctors came in. They wrote books about it. I'll give them to you. And Dean Ornish put it in his study. Malcolm Gladwell put it in a book of his. I made a little documentary about it. What we found out when they completed the study in like 1965, the doctors concluded that the people didn't die of heart attacks because they felt emotionally safe. Really? So they, they and had, women worked in the blouse factories. My grandmother owned a blouse factory with my grandfather. I mean, a blouse factory. Blouse factory. They were they were yeah sartorial stuff. You know, you made made clothes. They made clothes. Right. And they came up. My grandparents. My grandfather was a machinist, and my grandmother was a four lady at fourteen. So I come from real workers. I yeah, mean, you do. Well, you're a worker. I know I, you're I, I don't rest. But on the other side of the family, same thing. My grandfather, Carlo. I wrote a book about, you know, fictionalized and Shoemaker's Wife, where they went to Minnesota, and he was in the iron ore mines, and he brought my grandmother there from Hoboken, New Jersey, Italian immigrants, but he got his citizenship in World War I by fighting for America in World War I and denounced his citizenship. And then they became Americans, and he started the Progressive Shoe Shop. He was cool. You would have loved him. What's the Progressive but I never Shoe knew. Shop? I, I, I want to know about you, but just before we know, go back I, to you, I, everything about this, is me, what you, this is what you do. I know you, though. This is yeah, what you, this I, is I, what you I, do. I can't, I'm going to get to me because mm. when I'm there, because because it's really fascinating what right. happens. I mean, my mother and father, my mother was a, a librarian, but she was also brilliant. So she started the architecture library at the University of Notre Dame when she was 21 years old. Good Lord. She graduated from St. Catharines in Minnesota. You have to understand something. My grandfather died when he was 39, Carlo Bonicelli. Wait, I thought nobody died. Different, D- side, different of the side of the family. All he right. got gassed in World War One and got cancer. They oh, all the, did in his yeah, platoon. Yeah, all right. of them came home and died. Before. Sure. They said, you won't see your 40th birthday. And my mother would tell me this story. She remembered when he came back from the Mayo Clinic and he dropped his bag and he said to his wife, Lucia, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be dead in a year. Oh, God. I, I, he just had a backache. Yeah. Yeah. So he was but so cool. And I found out lots and lots about him. Anyway, so he was in the iron ore mines when he couldn't breathe because of the, the gas. Right. But he was also a shoemaker, but he would have been a shoe designer. That was his goal, was to design shoes as right. much as make them. But when you work in a mining town, you're adjusting people's foot infirmities, basically, and you're fixing their shoes and boots and all that stuff. So that's what he did. But he was very ambitious, my mom told me, very ambitious. And he called his shop the Progressive Shoe Shop. What does that mean, Progressive Shoe Shop? Was you know what like it meant a... to him, I think? Yeah, that's what I'm I mean. an American. And you're getting Italian artistry. Yeah. You know, kiss my Italian-American ass. I think that's what he was saying. <laughs> All right, so little baby Adri yeah. is growing up in... In the Catholic baby boom. All right. Okay? Yeah. My parents were married in the late 50s. My mother had many How many children. siblings? So you have six... Five girls, two boys. Right. Okay? I'm in the middle. Right. And I found a letter recently that my grandmother wrote to one of her children, about my birth, my auspicious birth. And this is the two words that were in the letter, another girl. Oh, wow. I just found that. I think that's a great title. Though. Yeah, this is good. You do one But anyway, book. so, but I never felt that. From the time I was little, I saw the dramatic possibilities of everything. I thought it was a movie I was watching, having never watched a movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I do. I because just, I was in it. I was in it. There was a train moving, and I jumped on it. And wow! And I was fascinated by my father and mother. I mean, every picture of me as a kid, there was a sea of children. 
But looking up at my mother, I would look at my mother like I was looking at the Blessed Mother. I mean, like, and, and I was Bernadette and Lourdes. I just was looking at her like... I was going to ask you about the Catholicism because the because the imagery. I was always jealous of the Catholic kids when I was. Well, come, I was on, really, come on over. Well, no, I'm not that jealous. But I was jealous of the Catholic because we were Protestants, so we just like we had like. Well, you do the stripped down version, right? It's just it's a white wall, and you know they read from the Bible. And listen, I'm I'm a Protestant lover, but it's like. There's no zhuzh. In the Catholic Church, you go in, they put on a different robe in every season. We decorate the statues. Yeah. It's um, Tuesday night. My aunt mm. is crowning the Blessed Mother for May Queen. Right. I mean, my I, aunt, I don't think she can get up on the step stool, my aunt. I love her dearly, but she's like not in her best of... But, you know, she's going to crown her. We do these things, say the rosary, we do these rituals, and this is the secret, Right. Don't peek under the curtain of that church. Don't peek under the curtain of any institutions. When you do, you'll be disappointed and you will be a part of nothing. Well, see, that's why you're at heart probably a Protestant, because you know it's theater. That was what the whole argument was uh, well, uh, I have a in the Reformation. Probably, I, yes, I have a problem probably with all of it on some level. Yeah. But... I have a friend, let me tell you, my friend Phil. My friend Phil from Philly, who's, a, who's an Italian Catholic. And I said, hey, Phil. Uh, he said, yeah, because I was interested in the Catholic thing. I said, hey, Phil, do you uh, do you believe in transubstantiation? He said, what's that? He said, it's when the biscuit turns into the body of Jesus during the Eucharist. And he's like, I never heard of that. <laughs> I said, it's the whole basis of the Catholic faith. He's like, uh, no, I, know, and there's I, always I don't know what you're talking about. People don't know about that. And they, 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 are, they, they always conflate and confuse the Blessed Mother and the Assumption mm. and the Ascension and... Let's Are you still Let's, religious? Are you, do, do you, oh, I pray like, a, you know. Do my, you go to Mass? Do you, do you yes, take the Eucharist? Yes, do you take communion? I just went Sunday and got enraged. Do you enraged. confess and, and all that? Well, my guide died. My The priest that, you know, talking about, we were talking about Alan Alda earlier. He looked just right. like Alan Alda. And in the 70s, I would just, they stopped the box confession. And you have to understand, I grew up in Appalachia. Right. Where the Catholic Church was less than 1% of the population. So it was like the, the island of misfit toys. There was the former this and the this and the the families were from the coal region. So you had, you know, Czechs and Polish people who still had their accents. And we were the Italians. But the Italians that were in Appalachia prior to us changed their names. So we'd have to dig around to find them. Right. But you'll find enclaves. Wherever there's mining, you're going to find immigrant people here. Yeah, sure. You're always going to find that. But, yeah, so the Catholicism I grew up with was very open and very welcoming. And the priests we got and the nuns that we got, in fact, when I was like 10 years old, the the nuns quit. They just said, we're not wearing these habits anymore. We're scaring the kids. And they became their own force. From their own order? It wasn't really an order. It had nothing to do with the Catholic Church. It was just about doing good works. And there was a woman down there. She's still alive. I think she's in her 90s now. Uh, A woman named Catherine Rumschlag, Sister Catherine, that was the mother superior. And that don't, you know, she cut you. She She was all business. She now lives in community with a group of the ex-nuns and some of the families. of. There was a nun, a beautiful nun, who left the order. I mean, she was gorgeous. Yeah. And got married. And not that it has anything to do with anything. I'm just having you picture her, but just this beautiful woman. And she had children. And now she lives in that community. She's retired. And she lives with these old, the, the ex-nuns. All right. So you come from a very warm, Catholic immigrant, safe, emotionally environment. And yet, you live, uh-huh. now, now, right now, you're a New Yorker, and, and you've got a, a long journey from Appalachia to your sophisticated life that you have now with your... Sophisticated? Yeah, you're pretty sophisticated. Oh, you like, you on. write books, and you... Well, uh, I write books, but to me, writing books is what my grandmother did call piecework in a factory. Yeah, but you didn't, you didn't start writing books. Right, you were a writer in television. That's right, right. right. I was a TV so, writer, comedy writer. Right. So how how did you get from Appalachia to writing comedy? How, what oh, okay. So you know there were key moments where I made decisions, and one uh, the big one was. I'll never forget this. I was in the the principal's office, and you know, for whatever, delivering something for my teacher, like the absentee list or whatever. And this man comes in named Mark Holyfield, and he's talking to the school secretary 
who was smoking. Everybody smoked then, like smoking away. Patsy Arnold, who I loved because you could give her the dish and then you'd get a little something back. You know what I mean? <laughs> loved her. Yeah. Anyway, so. That's why you go on so well with Meg and my wife, right? Oh, I love Meg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, get, we, get, we got the job done in five minutes and now yeah. we're besties. Okay, so, so this man comes in and he says, look, I'm looking for, I need a reporter for my radio show. And I'm um, paying per thing. I'm listening to this. Now, I'm making money. I am the town babysitter. I am the, I don't like to use this word, but uh, I would say like, it, it was almost like a ring I was running. Because I they'd call my house and i go, yeah. And I have four sisters and I'd book them. Right. I didn't get a kickback, but I would take the best job. Like So you're running a babysitting syndicate. I'm running a your, syndicate. Your, I'm very entrepreneurial, I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> so anyway, and you know, people loved when the Italians came because we also cleaned. We mm-hmm. put the kids to bed and we clean the house. And mm-hmm. these women like getting two for one, mm-hmm. 50 cents an hour. Okay. So I would like to say not that any of them needed their houses clean. No, they needed it. Anyway, you got a bunch of kids you need it. So anyway, so I hear this guy and he says, uh, he says, I, I need a reporter. Now, I, I'm 14 years old. I'm thinking, here's the thing about me. And I think you know this. I think I could do anything. Like, if I walk past a television set and somebody's ice skating, I when we went to the ice show when I was little in Knoxville, Tennessee, I wanted to be that. I wanted to be that girl with the big headdress who skated over to the side and like did this. Did you ever do it? I've never had on a pair of ice skates in my life, but my kid has. Now's the time. No, right? uh, now yeah, I'll break my back. No. Anyway, mm-mm. so anyway, so. Oh, I was enamored of ice skating. And my my mother ice skated her whole life, and my father ice skated, but we didn't because we there were no ice rinks or anything like that, right? So when I found out that the, when you to qualify for the Olympics, you're going to do a three-minute routine for like three years, I'm like, I got to make up funny stuff every day, you see. All right, so the guy's looking for a reporter. You're 14. You think maybe ice skating is not for you? Mm-hmm. So do you approach this guy and say... I want to be a reporter. I said, Mr. Hollyfield, I said, I'm a writer, and I would like to have that job. And he went, okay. He said, um, can you drive? No, but I'll get somebody to drive me. Okay. What kind of things do you write? I said, well, I'm on a school paper. You were on the school paper. Now, what he didn't know was that I was in trouble at the school newspaper because I would write what they called the gossip column with <laughs> blind items, okay? <laughs> and I got called, and you, have to, and you know, I'm somebody, you know, you know my, I have a good heart, right? Yes, you do. But I wrote a joke that's haunted me to this. I'm going to tell you the joke. Only one? Because I've got like a bucket loads of this stuff. <laughs> well, you know, in that, at that time, you had a homeroom teacher, and then you were to make sure you were in school, and then you were mm-hmm. farmed out to your first period class. Sure. There was a teacher named Bobby Jean Cooper. Mm-hmm. And I saw her first thing every day. And she was an interesting-looking woman, kind of like a, an animated character, okay. sort of like— a, Olive oil, are we talking? Or No, the or, other extreme. Gotcha. Okay? Mm-hmm. Kind of like if you put the Liberty Bell in a skirt. Okay? I understand. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so—and she wore really red lipstick, which I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I started keeping track of her outfits just for my column. You know, so that I could say. And so this was the joke. And I got called in, and, and I was so ashamed of this joke, but it worked on paper. Which homeroom teacher with the initials BJC has worn the same blue wool skirt six school days in a row? Which means she went a Monday to Friday and then think. Mm-hmm. Now, I would do that now. Sure. I would think nothing of it. Of course. I got called in. It was bad. It's like the insensitivity of this comment. And they made me go apologize to her, which was so humiliating. You'd have got canceled on Twitter for it. And I said, you know, I'm so sorry. I said, I just, you know, I have to come up with this material. And I thought it would work. And (laughs) I didn't mean to, you know. How would she take it? She said you had to use my initials. She said, I hope you've learned your lesson. We don't make a lot of money as teachers. We're here because we love teaching, not before what we're wearing. I was like, oh, God. Oh, my God. That's, that's, Is that the worst story yeah, you ever yeah, heard? No, I, okay, I so now everyone now. hates me within the sound of my voice. No, but... no, no, no. I just feel awful. I just feel awful yeah, for everybody. Now, here's the other part of this, right. though. This was the slow crawl to journalism wasn't for me till the big story. When I was, okay, I was getting five bucks a story. And I was pretty good. Right. And they ran me at the top of every hour. And I it's decided, a radio show. It's a radio show. And okay. I decided, and I, I'd tape them the night before. The engineer would, like, in a break, would 
tape my stories, and I went to the town meetings. I did a really good series about a coal mining strike. That was, but I went to meet with the women, and I got a real sense of that. You know, it wasn't. Listen, the jokes I was writing wasn't because I was rich and I was sitting on a throne. It was because you know I was trying to like be funny. Yeah, I get it. So and also, uh, you're a kid. What are you, fifteen years old? Yeah, at this point? fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, but that never mattered in my family. You do the wrong thing, you, you you're put on the rack. But anyway, so I decided doing this. They kept calling me in. My boss kept calling me in. I mean, his name was Mr. Stallard. He was Holyfield's boss. And and I remember being in his office, and he, he was smoking so much, you could hardly see the guy, right? Mm. He said, I'm going to tell you the future of this business. It's going to be a black woman, and it's going to be television. He predicted Oprah, like before Oprah. Right. Okay? So I'm just throwing that out there. So anyway, cause, so he knew what he was talking about. I respected him. But he said to me, he said, nobody cares about what you think. You just tell us what happened. We don't care about what you think. You are not the thing. The story's the thing. Because I would... That's been completely forgotten now in well, journalism. It, in in life. If I did that now... Yeah. See, I have a hard time when I watch the news. Cause I don't want your opinion. I don't care what you think. There is no news. It's, it's all opinion. Tell me what happened. Yeah. And interestingly enough, in my family... My great-uncle, priest, journalist, ran the Lecco de Bergamo for 40 years, and I've had his stuff translated, and it's so simple. Mm. And it's good. It works in drama, too, or, or comedy. It's the simple narrative. What's, what happened? How did it happen? When did it happen? Why did it happen? Oh, out. Johnny Carson used to always say, tell them what you're going to do. Do it. Mm-hmm. Tell them what you're doing, and then tell them what you did. Bruce Getz, who, who trained me as a playwright, if they don't know within two minutes why they're in that chair, you've lost them. Mm-hmm. You, they got to know. That's exactly what Johnny Carson's saying. I, Craig Ferguson, will be on the road once again this fall, bringing the Fancy Rascal Tour to your region. For tickets and full list of tour dates, go to my website, thecraigfergusonshow.com slash tour. Come and see me live, or don't. I'm not your father. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So, you're doing the reporter for the local radio, right? (laughs) With this sense, I want to just... I got to get out of here. You're right. So, well, that's a small town mentality. For, for Look, if you have an artist's brain, an artist's heart, an artist's soul, which you do, which I do, and you grew up in a small town, mm-hmm. which I did, you're like, I, I got to I gotta get out of here. I had decided that I, I was going to change my name to Al Shapiro and live in New York. I was 10 years old and I wanted to be apparently an Italian taxi driver. 
and live in New York. I wanted to be Al Shapiro and live in New York, and I was going to wear leather wristbands for some reason. That was another thing I was going to do. And you know what? I might still do it. But the point is, you want to get out of town, right? Yeah. Oh, oh. And then other things started happening that were really bad. What? The girls I ran with, mm. two of them got pregnant. Ah, I see. The, the sex starts coming along. Well, they had the eighth graders with the 12th graders mm-hmm. in the same school. That doesn't sound like a good idea. Uh-uh. All right. So you. Uh, so that was another motivator. So you leave because you don't want to get pregnant? No, don't. Let's not, let's not act like I'm some talented. <laughs> you are. Star that left town. No, 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 no. You did so. Well, I did a radio show down there, and the man said, "You're the you're the confirmation of the power of the C grade." Like, a, like, like, because I wasn't any, I wasn't distinctive. I was funny, but I wasn't distinctive. Well, funny is distinctive. I wouldn't have you dismiss funny as not being distinctive. It is distinctive. No, no, we know that now. It's a talent, it's a gift, it's all that stuff. But back then, that didn't. You should understand in Appalachia people are hilarious and they're characters. And right. so it's the birthplace to me of all art because it's, and around me were people that were funnier, smarter, better. I, I agree. I, but what I, they didn't I, have, I had that too. They but, did, but they didn't have this. They didn't have the Al Shapiro escape they, velocity They didn't have desire. Al Shapiro and they didn't have the right. I gotta get out of here. Right. So how did you get out? Okay, I have two sisters ahead of me that are smart. Mm-hmm. And the one that's directly ahead of me is very smart. And uh, my father and mother met at Notre Dame, where my mother's brother, remember the immigrants from Minnesota? Mm-hmm. He was a basketball star at Notre Dame, complete ah. free ride. I know that's hard to believe. I have a big athlete in my family, but he was incredible. Orlando Bonicelli. And so he was in college, and his sisters were graduating. My mother's a twin. There's, they call her Ida, Ida, and Irma. And they went to St. Catharines together, both librarian science, library science, Went all the way through, you know. Like Now it's considered a master's, by the way. Right. And they needed jobs. They weren't going to go back to Chisholm, and their mother didn't want them to come home. They want, She wanted them to fly, her okay. kids. And my mother was the second twin, the shy one. They didn't even know she was in there. Right. Okay. So Orlando goes to the head librarian at no, Notre Orlando's Dame. Orlando's your basketball playing... Uncle. Uncle, right. So he goes to the head librarian at Notre Dame. You know that touchdown Jesus, they call it? Mm-hmm. My mother was on the committee that designed that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's exciting. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you ever, had you met her, now she's in heaven. But if you had met her, I'm she di- would have loved you. I doubt I'm going to meet her though, because I'm I'm Scottish Protestant, and you're an Italian Catholic. It's, no, there's, there's it's, a, no, it's a whole different afterlife. The great, the great, I'm going to a very cold swamp. The great, the, the great Bernadette Kenny said, "There's no labels on the other side." Don't forget that. That's all bull. Anyway, so Origin of Alexandria said, "Everyone is forgiven." Of course. Yeah. Well, what would be the? What's the point? You, otherwise, you put us in the sewer, and then you're not. Now you're not yeah. going to forgive us. Yeah. Um. What? What's the basis of that? Anyway, they excommunicated him for that. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody's welcome. Gates, <laughs> gates down. All right. So, she got a job there, and that's where she met my father. And my father, we don't have time for him in this podcast, but he was an interesting cat. Very, very, very. I wrote a joke about him. I mean, he was a fascist with us. I mean, no. He never went back on something, even when he was wrong. Right. I'm a tough parent, but I'm not that parent. Right. You didn't want to tell the guy the truth because you'd pay. Right. So I became a fantasist. I would say, based on that. I just was like, I'd make something up to get around something. But big things they ignored. They didn't notice at all when I planned a wedding when I was 14. Adrian, how are we getting you out? Of Appalachia. Well, my two smart sisters got into St. Mary's, which is the women's college in South Bend, Indiana, across the street from Notre Dame. But it's a it's 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 a powerhouse place, incredible place. And so my sisters got in, and they weren't going to take me. And I wrote that nun a letter, and I just said, "You have to take me. I have to get out of here." Like I had dreams, like when I look at catalogs of going to Columbia, but I did not have the grades, and also not the interest in getting the grades. And there were so many. What did you want to study? What did you want to study? Journalism. You wanted to study journalism. And you Mm -hmm. did you get accepted for journalism in this place? No, you just are an undergrad. But the first thing I did when I walked in there, now keep in mind I've been a reporter for a couple years, right? Yeah. I'm really young. Mm -hmm. I go to the head of the theater department, Dr. Reg Bain, and I said, I want to be a theater major. I am a playwright. Everybody in your story has got the name of a character. Reg Bain. It's just like 
My name is Dr. Reg Bain. He's married to a woman named Georgia, and I and I love. And he had like really black hair that he'd have to flip back all the time. And so you go to Reg Bain, and what do you say to Reg? And I said to Reg Bain, I'm a freshman, and I walk in there, freshman with glasses this thick. I just held up the water bottle. I'm mean, like, you know, and I go in and I go, Dr. Bain. I just want you to understand something right up front. I am going to be a theater major. And he looked up at me and he said, nobody ever comes in here when they're a freshman and says they're a theater major. He said, it doesn't work like that. He said, you're going to change your mind. I said, no, no, no. You don't understand. I want to take every class you offer in the theater, every single one. And he said, but we have three concentrations, acting, directing, and writing. And I said, but I want to start now. And he said, all right, I'll put you an intro to theater. And put you in history of theater. Put you in two. He said, if you don't do well, we're not having this conversation again. And I was like, okay. So you had to study. He made you study. He made me study. You had to learn about the history of the theater. But I was so unsophisticated, Craig. I mean, it's like other kids had read books, and I was an avid reader. But there's books you need to read sometimes. So then I became that person. I was a Hoover reader. I read, read everything, but I didn't then drill into my area. So I drilled into the area, and I... I started my concentrations, and I would— Did you write plays? I wrote plays, like, right away, and I I had written plays in high school that I was very proud of, and I worked on crew for the town musical, right? which is your whole education. You're putting me back in Appalachia. I'm getting you out of Appalachia. You're getting me to Indiana. I got more storyteller. Why did you have me No, no, no. You're a great storyteller. So then I go to South Bend, Indiana, which, compared to Big Stone Gap, is a big city. Loved it. Right. So, but my sisters were there in case I needed them, but they were studying in Rome. They would go study in Italy for a year. So I was kind of, and then my, the sister under me came there too. So there were four of us there. What are you girls studying? The oldest one, government. The second one was pre-law. I think she was in English. I don't even know what her age was. And the one under me was business. This is a fascinating story of these women from Appalachia who are all these heavy hitters. And these stuff is is amazing when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. You look at that picture of these women coming out of there. That's extraordinary. Yeah, and then there's the baby who went there too, but she wasn't there when we were there. We were gone by the time she got there. What does she do? She runs my sister's law office, <laughs> and she has four kids. <laughs> right. So and a nice husband. So you have a nice husband. I met your husband. He's a dog. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, he he's not going anywhere. No. That we know of. You know, tomorrow if you tape this, it could be sitting here crying. No, uh, no, I think it's going to be okay. I think, just... I think you guys will be. I think you and Tim are going to be all right. I don't know. I'm not a betting man, but we'll see. Anyway, look, you're there. Let's let's graduate you. You're graduated. Now I'm graduated. I, I want you out I of South stra- Bend. I, I come straight to New York. It's you straight to New York. Straight. Oh, oh, oh! I had no place to live. I knew no one except this. My senior year at St. Mary's, that Reg Bain. Mm-hmm. I was called in because I demanded, because I'd taken every course study. I begged, demanded, put it out there. I want to write and direct on the main stage of your theater. Now, that was reserved for revivals and professionals that came in, like Frank Canino from Canada had come, David Hare, we did his play. Okay. Okay, so major people had come through, but I said, give me the slot. Did you get it? I got it. For a play you'd written? For a play I'd written. Did you direct the play? I pitched the play. I didn't tell. I wasn't finished. And I said, this was my my senior year, the fall of my senior year. Right. So get in there. And just keep in mind it's the 80s. Everybody picture the 80s. Uh, I remember them. So they were good. Anyway, so. Parts of them, anyway. So I have this idea for a play. Okay. But I want it to be an extravaganza and I want to be bigger than big. You surprised me. It's called Notes from the Nile and it's the rewritten story of Cleopatra. (laughs) <laughs> except that Cleopatra was so beautiful, no one could look at her. Okay. I brought Julius Caesar back from the dead mm-hmm. and because he had had an affair with her. I know. And then you know the whole story of I Cleopatra. I know the story okay. of Cleopatra, yeah. But then I, what I did is I infused it with what has happened since Cleopatra's reign. So I had Debbie the fishwife in tap. She did tap routines. I had... Eddie the Fisherman, who she's having an affair with in the palace, who was Eddie Fisher. Elizabeth Taylor had an right. affair. Do you see how I conflated everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the handmaidens were just like docile. I made them the handmaidens that eventually Mar- Margaret Atwood wrote about. They were dopes. And the handmen. So this is magical realism sort of uh, kind of musical. The, and there's a, war, it, there's a war in Egypt mm-hmm. for Cleopatra. And, okay, she says, okay, you can have your war, but you're going to fight it with Hershey Kisses and Cotton Balls. Okay. 
So weapons were made in, in intermission, and it was all environmental and crazy. Did you put this play on? Mm-hmm, I wrote and directed it. That's great. And that's the play that you bring to New York. That's the play I'm hoping to bring to New York and like get to me. I get to New York, and now we're like in the mid-'80s, and you realized if you were in theater and you came from St. Mary's, ain't happening for you, honey. Mm-hmm. I was doing staged readings with major actors. I mean, I could get any actor to read How come? a play. How come? Because actors, um, I love actors. Proper actors want to work. They want to act. They That's also, true, yeah. They also are always looking in material for what, what's the pith? What are we doing here? And and then as a writer, you can once I heard their voices, I could write for them, mm-hmm. which is what got, how I got into television. But I just I could hear them, I could hear them. But I was doing the club circuit with my comedy troupe. I had a comedy troupe of girls. What were you called? The Outcasts. Oh yeah. What did you do? Did sometimes you like... we would. Sometimes we were good. Sometimes it was sketchy. Yeah. Um, everybody started. But I was. That's, that's the I same. was. Uh, I was the P.T. Barnum of it. Like I wrote and directed it, and I was in it. <laughs> and the only reason I was in it because I, I one, one night at the Horn of Plenty. You remember that club? I don't know the Horn of Plenty. It's on Bleecker and Charles. Right. And it was run by this man who just tried to get in the in in our dressing room, which was his office between costume changes. Okay, it was he was perv. You surprised me. There was a perv in New York in the 1980s? And, and I just, I, I would like hold the door, you know. I said, don't worry, girls, it's all fine. And then one night, I had to send him out into the bar to fill the room. He started to get onto it. Like, I don't just need your act in here. I want to make money. So it was a, there was a two-drink minimum, which was the standard of the day. But I had to get them drunk men in from that room into this room. So mm. one night, this is how, I'm just telling you, this is why I never became a performer, per se, except I, I am performing now. Uh-huh. I stood, got, got up there to do our act and open the show, and a guy stood up, and he, he flung a Swedish meatball from the free snack bar no. at my head, and it hit, it, the thing went down the back, and something, I'm not this type of person, but I, it made me angry. No. And I said, hey, mister, and the room went dead. You know what? I don't appreciate that. I said, we work in offices all day. We're exhausted. We're coming in here trying to entertain you, and you're throwing food at us. And he got up. He's drunk. He's gripping the table. And he said, it was dead silent. He goes, you stink. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe he's right. <laughs> no. Maybe he's right. All right. So the outcasts are That out. leads me to TV, though. Now, how do you get to TV from there, then? Two girlfriends. Okay. I'm going to name them. Ruth Pomerantz and Suzanne Gluck. See, I always say this to my kid, and I'm sure you say it to yours. You graduate with your class, so the comedians you came up with will become Lou Black or whoever you were sure. hanging with. Yeah, they become your—that's your team. Yep. Now, to the public, it looks like we're all competing. We're not competing. No. We're, we're trying to all just come on, everybody, please pull that wagon. Yeah. You know, pull that wagon. Keep so, dancing. <laughs> just keep moving. <laughs> keep dancing. Get up there. You know. So I had this posse, and they—they'd come and see the show, and they go, "You need an agent." I said. What's an agent? That's how when you. T- I was unsophisticated. Oh, of course, I knew there were agents. I read books. I knew about agents. Right, but you didn't know how to get one. I understand that. Didn't know how to get one. Who's your agent? Who did you? Who did you get? I was the same agent. Is it still Nancy Josephson? The legendary Nancy Josephson. Okay. Nancy. Yeah, the- she was at ICM. Yeah, her dad founded ICM. And I, I, we know. Yes, I'm glad you're telling that to the listeners because you know I still I, I just saw her in LA. But she's an amazing. And she, she's a good lady. one for you too. But this is the thing about her. She knew she was dealing with something weird with me. That I'll give her. She, so she said, "I'm going to put this guy, this guy, move you around, and you know, do all that." But she was always my person. How do we get her though? Is the key thing. These two girls, Ruth Pomerantz and Suzanne Gluck. Ruth was in the mailroom at William Morris, and Suzanne was like a junior assistant at ICM. Okay. They grew up in New York together, which already makes them, to me, goddesses, because they grew up in New York. And right, they, they're they, sophisticated. They, they're sophisticated. They're already Al Chappelle. They're educated. They know the lay of the land. They're like, we're going to get you meetings. Here's a list of meetings. You're going to meet all these people. I went to the first meeting at ICM, set up by Suzanne. The next one was set up by Ruth, and so it went. Right. I meet this guy named Wiley Housem, young agent. And he looked at my stuff, and he said, okay, if we're going to craft a theater career, we're going to do this. He said, if we do television, we're going to do this. And I said, well, what do you mean, TV? And he said, well, you know, like right for sitcoms. I said, how do you do that? 
You have to write a spec script. What's a spec script? Can you give me one? Well, I don't know if we have any laying around. Let me try to find you one. He said, but I have this tape that I can give you to listen to. I said, okay. So I, didn't, I, I couldn't tell him I didn't have a television set or a VCR. Right. I didn't have one. Because that was, that was the thing. It was tapes, I remember. Tapes. It was all tapes. Yeah. And by the way, how many tapes of comedians would come over the transom for me to write it once I got into the racket? Yeah, but yeah, anyway, yeah. but I loved watching those. But anyway, so I call a friend and I go, I need, I need to borrow your thing and watch this thing. Because, because what happened in the meeting was the first meeting I have, he said, I'll be your agent. And I said, well, where do I sign? And when I signed, he said, okay, I'm your agent. He said, we're going to craft this. I said, no, I don't have any money. I need a job right now. Right. Then he said, then you got to write a spec script. And he said, you know, take it. some people take a few months to do that. I said, by Monday morning, I had a spec script. Who'd you write it for? Roseanne. Did you get the job? Not only did I get the job, I didn't go to Roseanne, the show. But I met Matt Williams, who I'm still friends with. Right. Uh, who went on to create Home Improvement and all that. And he gave me a deal in the 90s. But he was like my guide. I couldn't see the picture, Craig, of the thing. I had to listen to it, and I got every bit character right except Becky, because she'd go, Becky. And I thought she said Betty. So in my script, it says Betty. Betty. And I wrote this crazy script. I A knew that family. For they never I, made the script, though, right? No. But Carsey Werner hired me, and I went on a different world as a story editor. Nice. So now you're on a different world. Now, not only am I in a different world, I'm doing pilots all over town. Nancy would always say, don't tell people how many pilots you've written. I've written like seven, because I banked it. Yeah. You know, we're in the middle of a strike now. I saw the lay of the land there. Hey, there's going to be some times here you ain't working. You better bank it. And that's what I did. So you you write these pilots and you end up you, a different world. Is that where you were on that for a long time? One year. Then I, then I went to, I came back to New York because I wanted to be in New York because my grandmother was alive and all that right. stuff. I want to be near Pennsylvania. So I came back here. I also am just more in tuned here. Yes, you're I love it out there. I'm a, I loved when I was there. but In Los Angeles? And I, I loved Los Angeles. There's a lot to recommend it. But, you know, it, it, ultimately it wasn't going to be a place. It's I not felt, a good fit for you. I it it wasn't that. a fit for me. And even now worse, because you have to drive everywhere, and it takes hours. So, And I just don't want to spend time in a car. I don't like cars. So then I get back here, and so in succession, I got jobs. So I would get pilots, and then I would get, I got, Bill Persky hired me on a show called Working It Out with Jane Curtin. Okay. He's what he's like my, my mentor mentor, like family mentor. He's like, love Bill Persky, still with us. He's 92. Then there's um, Alan Zweibel hired me as to replace Monica Johnson, the only female writer on Good Sports, starring Farrah Fawcett and Ryan O'Neill. I'm not familiar with that show, but I wish I I had seen it. It was it, it happened during the Gulf War, and I don't know, it just disappeared. But it, it was a good concept, and I loved those two. And I we could talk off camera about them. Then both of them, Farrah and Ryan. Then I did City Kids, which I was a showrunner for, which was shot in New York, which is very avant garde. You could still watch it and go. It was with the Jim Henson Company. Oh, okay. And they, they had a thing then called TGIF. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules 
a day. Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I used to live above Veneer's Bakery in the I 80s. I love that it's bakery. great bakery. And mm-hmm. every night about 2 a.m., mm-hmm. I used to hear this woman walking by, and she would sing beautiful operatic arias. And it was amazing. I mean, she was she could really sing. Love it. And I was like, I look out the window, and she was a young woman, and she would walk by singing these areas. And on her, and I eventually I met her, and she was a waitress, and her shift finished at one a.m. And she said, "You walk down the street singing operatic arias, nobody comes near you." That's so funny. So we she, all had our own gigs. Yeah. Level. So that she had that was her pillow that that she would. She would sing like everybody thought she was crazy. Did you run into any of that? Because you're a young woman working. Did you get? Did you? Were you aware of that? You're a very forceful personality. I don't know that that makes a difference or not. Did were you aware of of you're that all, kind okay, of behavior? I'm I'm a funny person. Yeah, I'm always aware of my safety wherever mm-hmm. I am. Like when I moved here, I was very aware. Like you got to be careful. Mm-hmm. And I I did things that you know. I got in trouble at my boarding house. I lived in a boarding house, and I took a throw pillow and just pretended I was pregnant on the subway late at night coming home from a gig. So I figured nobody's going to hit a pregnant woman or kill a pregnant woman. But I got in trouble for stealing the pillow. But I said, no, I brought it back. I'm bringing the pillow back. (laughs) I gave birth to a pillow. But I was that kind of person. Right. And I'd say to the girls, take those glasses, you know, we'd use in sketches. I said, wear them on the subway. You'll be all right. Nobody's going to come at you if you're, you know. I'd get out of things joking, too. I'd get out of sticky situations by being funny. And just, you know, the only way to get a man who's intent to bed you off of it is to entertain him and get him off the subject. Mm. It works. Yeah, I, but it's, I but, but uh, frankly, it was like working a third shift, and who needs that? Yeah. So, but, but, you know, the girls in my group, we talk about this, too. Many of them fell in love, got married, left the group, left show business and stuff, and there wasn't anything that was going to keep me from show business. I was just a different person. I just was like, how could he possibly be that interesting to you? How could he ever be this other thing? So then you meet Tim? <laughs> what happened? Because you meet Tim, and Tim is a great love. Yeah, he's my, he's, a, well, listen, I'm giving you the story here, like as truthfully as I can, because, you know, anybody that I was ever interested in, it was, I kept him at a distance. I wasn't, I wasn't getting involved. Right. Him, different. I don't know. I just liked him. I just thought. And I also saw this, too. When you work in Hollywood, you see those beautiful executives, and they don't have a man. And if you had any interest in a man, which I did, you say, the window's closing. And my friends would still laugh about me going, the window's closing, girls. You got to get on this. Let me tell you something. Ten years for a woman, it's a hundred years of bad road. And if you don't, this is now or never. It's now or never. And they never, I mean, at the time, there were just women who said, uh, but I said, no, you know, if you want that. So when they complained to me now, I said, I told you. I said, it's a window. You can have somebody now, but it's going to be a different thing. <laughs> and I, I just, you know. I... So what happened with Tim then? How, how come he was different? Or did, did you make a decision that, all right, this, this is the one for me, this is it? I was doing plays in Pennsylvania. I This is before television, because I met him before A Different World. Right. And um, he wasn't ever going to live in New York. He didn't want anything to do with this. And That's I was like... so funny when I think good, of that now. Good for you. And he still, every once in a while, will give me a gig. And I said, you can dig all you want, but you're here. <laughs> and you might as well make it work, you know. <laughs> I think he's doing okay. <laughs> he's doing okay. He's doing fine. But, no, he came here and he hit the ground running. I mean, as a lighting designer, he just, he's really, he was trained by Amaro uh, Fiorentino, who did the Kennedy-Nixon debates. I mean, he really learned on the job. And now he's, you know, he does great. He's won an Emmy. I don't have an Emmy. You don't have an Emmy? I have no. Uh, I, have I got no. a couple. You can have one of mine. Okay, good. Yeah, all, right. all right. I need one for the other side of the mantle. I said to my husband, can you win another one? I just need some synergy here. Uh, you know, I called my mom. I said, I want an Emmy. She went, uh-uh, daytime Emmy. 
Oh man. Oh man. You can't win. Only your mother can put you make it a jab. Daytime, Emmy. So So tell me this. You go to Italy now a lot, huh? A lot. Why is that? Well, I find, you know, I had an experience there. I think I told you about this where I was on the mountaintop in the Alps where my, my grandparents on the Bonicelli side are from. And I, uh, it's a piece I've never known. So that's probably where I'm going to end up. You're going back to the old country? Yeah, but I'm, I, I loved working with you in Scotland. That was really fun. So I'd like to write and direct over there, and I'm working on stuff in order to do that. I think Scotland and Italy are very similar countries. Yeah, we really have to talk about that because I, I knew you liked Italians immediately, even though you were very stone cold to me on the phone the first time I talked to you. I was you. just guarding myself. I was in Italy when you called me. I know you were. Yes, I'm in Italy. And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Mr. Ferguson. And then I, 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 I just, and you said, okay, call me in 48 hours. Nobody ever said that to me in my life, not even a credit card company. So I was like, what is this? Like, okay, so I hung up the phone and I called Kathy Lee and I said, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I got to work this guy over a little more here. And she, if you look up determination in the dictionary, her little head's there like oh a post Oh, my God. She's a force of nature. I know she never liked her. But anyway, so so when I called you, I, I thought, and it wasn't like there were edges like of warmth there either, like where I could kind of wheedle in. I said, okay, well, we'll talk about this. And all right, I'll give you 48 hours. And so then I, I think I called back and begged you to do it, didn't I? Yeah, you did. And and, and then you say, okay, so tell me about this script. Yeah, you did. And so I told you about the script. And then you're like, all right, all right. You weren't happy about it, but I said, I don't care. He doesn't have to be happy, he just has to be good. And then I was stunned. At how brilliant you were. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that, though. We What we need to talk about well, is Well, I'm this. only here because of that. <laughs> we have to talk about how Scotland and Italy, I think. Yeah, let's the get them together. Okay, right. so, you know, my last novel was about the internment of the Scots and the destruction of the Scots during World War II. Italian Scots. Italian Scots, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the maker- Italians and right. Italians, yeah. You know the, the Glaswegian Italians, even now, because there's like a huge Italian community in Glasgow, but they have Glasgow accents, but they kind of talk Italian. Yeah. So they go, hey, what's the coming of you? Uh, you're coming over here and you come to my house and maybe we watch the football and then it's this weird accent and it's fantastic. Now, and, and then you start scratching around and you'll find an Anna Maria and you go, oh, uh-huh, yeah. oh yeah, I'm Italian. Yeah, yeah. And then you'll find like a, a Pietro and you go, oh, a Daniello. Okay, we're and it's huge in Glasgow. It, I mean, in Glasgow in particular, it's huge Italian. And people community. are like, "Why don't we know this? Why don't we know this?" Because of this. Get out. That's how the immigrant feels every day. They don't talk about their experiences, even when people blow up in a boat. They're not going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. Seventy years had to pass before it was even mentioned, or there was a shrine built in uh, at St Andrew's Cathedral in Glasgow. Yeah, but in the Orkneys, do you know that I one? know all about in the paper church. Yeah, the Orkneys, they the Italian prisoner of war, they built a church. The, it's still there. Your wonderful film in Scotland, you have a great film commission, and they came to New York to ask me to direct a movie about that. Why didn't you do it? Well, because I had other things. I had deadlines and stuff, but maybe we'll stick, we can still do it. Yeah, you do it. I'll do I'll do a kind of, the Italians came over and I'll do I'll do Bill Patterson's voice. On it. Unless you get Bill Patterson, then it'll be fine. Oh, for goodness sake, Fleabag, what are you up to now? That's so funny. Um, that would be great. No, I read the book and I was enchanted by it. And then, yeah, all the islands, what happened was Churchill made a really big mistake, but I had a ball touring 60 cities with this novel to say this to everybody that I come in contact with, which is basically they till the soil with propaganda. 13 years of it in the British newspapers, anti-Italian sentiment. Now, people look at a room with a view and Ian Forster and all that stuff, and they go, oh, the Brits or the Scots love the Italians. They do, and they were intermarried. But when the when Mussolini declared war, get out, that was the only thing. Churchill panicked because he didn't even know because there wasn't sonar yet how much activity was going on under the sea there. Mm. This guy, Gunther Prien, had U-boats everywhere. It was like snakes. On, and I, I describe it as such in the novel. It's, just, it's like snakes at the, foot of the bed of the ocean. They were going to take England. Mm-hmm. They were close. Mm-hmm. This wasn't even a joke. So he didn't know. Churchill didn't know what to do. Now, I, I want you to keep in mind what was the propaganda. It's the same tropes you hear because the immigrant faces the same fight always. 
you can't come in. Now that you're here, here's the jobs you're going to, all service jobs, because most of your battalions or your, your Glaswegian Italians were doing service jobs, waitering, maitre d', they're good looking, they have an accent, that mm-hmm. worked at, at Claridge's and the big hotels, mm-hmm. and, and the women did the cleaning, they, they did the laundry and the pressing and the tailoring and the sartorial stuff, okay, great. So you had the, that that but going that, But at the, at the same time, though, because I, just the, my family are Scottish. My people were doing those jobs, too. You know, working class people were doing those jobs, too. And on the, But this was what the working class people were against. They felt the Italian immigrants were bringing their people over and taking their taking jobs. Taking the jobs. And they want to keep, <laughs> yeah. and they want to keep in shipbuilding, all of the, st- the great stuff that goes on in Glasgow. But what I found out was that you know, without that propaganda, Churchill wouldn't have made that decision. I had to pay thousands of dollars, and I regret it to this day for this article written by a man named Gunther, not the famous Gunther historian, another guy, or Boswell, not not the theater guy, John Boswell, in the mirror, I believe. And it was so reprehensible. I said, I can't recreate that. I'm going to pay for, to put that in there. But then it was one of thousands and thousands of articles against Italians in Britain. During the 1930s, 40s? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I said, I said, you know, they said, I talked about them making the fish and chips and the gelato and stuff. And there were Italians that got very rich making the gelato. They put the factories up outside yeah. of Glasgow. But most of them were peddlers and, and working class people. They were yeah. not elevated in that way. However... And I would say this to people, people go, fish and chips, that's British, that's Scottish, that's... No, no, it's Italian. Calamari. Yeah, it's Italian. It's it, calamari. The Italians were... You know, it was funny when I grew up, because I was working class and Scottish and grew up Doesn't in Glasgow. It doesn't make you hungry for it right now. It we does. even say fish but, and chips. But here's the other that. thing. By the time I was... And this is the weird thing about being a Glaswegian growing up in Scotland. By the time I was four years old, I knew exactly what a cappuccino was and I wanted one. Because... Italians ran the cafes, the Nardini family. Where you got Italian marketing. blood? Did you get your thing done? You, well, you got to be partially Italian. <laughs> Everybody in my family thinks there is some kind of has Ita- to be. Yeah, it has to be. I think so. I'm very comfortable when I go to Italy. Yeah, I, when I go to Italy, I think I think Italy is like Scotland with much better weather and much better food and slightly friendlier people. Sometimes they sound friendlier because my Italian's so bad. <laughs> I know, and you're trying, and they're trying. Yeah. Everybody's trying. Yeah, yeah. Well, you speak there, there's, there's affinity. When I get there, I get good, but I'm not like is this morning. I'm terrible. I'll be going. Yeah, che no. bella, you know, that's it. Parlo italiano, ma yeah. lentamente, yeah, uh, purely italiano. You know, very little. But but the thing is, I think there is an affinity between these folks between Scotland and Italy. I really do. There's a. And I think some of it, like, is particularly for part of my family that's from the mountains. I'm also Venetian and farmers from outside of Venice. And then people that live in mountains or people that live in rough terrain or rough weather, they're they're built a certain way. Yeah, like goats. They're strong. Yeah. And they don't expect everything to go their way because no. they're not in control. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Because it, 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 it's just... And, and I'm the Appalachian people stuff in America, goes my though. way. I'm amazed yeah, Don't you always go, wow, that was really... Unbelievable. I cannot believe that In the worked. same way, yeah. I think mm, there's just no way this is going to work out. And yeah. then when it does, it's like, oh, okay, well, that was luck. I never think it's like coming my way. Do you know what's, what's great is that we've been talking for either the best part of an hour. And now we've got to stop talking because there is... What We do have to stop talking, you know. You and I have to stop recording. I hope talking. it was good. It's awesome. It's joyful. It's fantastic. I'm delighted to be your friend. Oh, and I'm so happy you're in my life, Craig Ferguson. You are. You are a joy. But you That's know, but we also podcast. get. What? I get Megan. You get Megan. I get Milo. I get Liam. Yep. All your All the crazy ancillaries yeah. that I love so much, your friends. <laughs> you get Linda, you get Oh, everybody. I got them all. You I get everybody. All, you know. Yeah, but I get Tim and I get Lucci and That's I get right. you, you know, get I get your sisters at the casino gigs and I, I I meet everybody. It's all good. It's all good. And what we should do is that another movie. No, we should go to Italy. We should just All right, we, well, we when, when just do you want to go? Well, let's talk and we'll go cuz okay, cuz we'll the Alps are my thing and then and then Venice, I'm pretty good at that. You're my favorite town in Italy right now. Treviso. Yes. How did you know that? Because, did I tell you that? Cuz I'm psychic. No. Oh. My people are from that's where all our our paperwork is. In oh, Treviso really? because our, the farm is right outside of there. Oh, that's crazy. I think Treviso is a hidden gem and we shouldn't have told everybody about it. All right. Because it's we fantastic. Go. Okay. All right.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth, no matter who you are, that mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.